Hey, welcome to Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. We are the College and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church. After you're done meeting and greeting, would you turn to the book of Isaiah? We're going to look at the book of Isaiah uh, to begin our morning. Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. And we're going to look at verses 17 through 19. I'm going to come grab a Bible. My computer's doing weird things, so I actually need to turn to a real paper Bible and find it. It's Isaiah's usually after the Psalms, and it's Isaiah 26 is what we're looking for. Isaiah 26, verses 17 through 19. And this has to do with the resurrection. So here's a passage about the dead being raised in the Old Testament. So I'll I'll read it, Isaiah 26. I still hear some pages flipping, so I'll give you another, uh, just a couple seconds to find where you're at. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 17. And it says this, As a pregnant woman about to give birth writhes and cries out in her pain, so were we in your presence, Lord, as we were... Uh, As we were with child, we writhed in pain, but we gave birth to wind. We have not sought salvation to the earth, and the people of the world have not been reborn. And then verse 19, this is the great hopeful passage. But your dead will live, Lord, their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. So this is talking about the resurrection. The dead will be raised. So here it is in the Bible, in the Old Testament the dead will be raised. I'll read it again. Verse 19. But your dead will live, Lord. Their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. For your dew is like the dew of morning. You will make it fall on the spirits of the dead. So let's pray. Lord, you are the great father of all. You are the creator, the one who gives life and the one who will give life even after our lives are dead and gone. You will come back, and there will be this resurrection of all that are dead. And Lord, we look toward that. We look towards you and your kingdom that will come in the life of the world that is yet waiting for us. So we praise you, Lord. We love you. We give you all praise and honor. And everybody said, amen. All right, well, a quick story for you uh, while I'm fiddling around with my computer to try to get my PowerPoint up. Um, How many of you have ever been to... Uh, a junkyard, a car junkyard, two people, three? Why is there more girls that have been to junk? Anyways, <laughs> guys need to figure out something. Um, I remember the first time I went to a junkyard. It was um, uh, in high school. I went with my dad. I drove like this uh, piece of junk car. I was learning how to drive on it, and we, we had to get a piece of junk part out of the piece of junk junkyard to go fix my piece of junk car. Um, and I remember going to the junkyard. I was like, wow, this place is weird. Like all these cars that are here. And I went to high school in Germany because my dad was stationed in the Air Force. Anybody in the Air Force? Go Air Force. What? what? Okay, good. Um, so we, we lived in Germany and there's really nice cars in Europe, specifically in Germany. So there was all these like Mercedes Benz and BMWs and really nice cars in this junkyard, and it was just like a weird thing. Like, here's all these cars that are now wrecked and destroyed, and it was a little weird, a little sad. If you've, your first time to a junkyard is just interesting in that you're like, wow, this is surreal. 
like thinking about like all these cars used to be brand new. All these cars used to be like this was someone's like what they had worked for and they got this and they drove it off the lot and they're like, wow, look at my new brand new car. This is awesome. This is great. And then at some point the car either just dies, the engine goes bad, or in some cases the car gets into a wreck and, and, and weird, I mean, this is kind of like uh, Debbie Downer stuff, but you would see like spaces in some of these cars where like a head had hit the windshield. And you're just like, geez, did, I wonder if someone died in this car. This is just surreal. This is sad. This is horrible, which is somewhat the same feeling I get at least when I go to a cemetery and see the graveyards and see the, the gravestones. And you look at these gravestones and you just think the place, the ground that I'm standing all over the place has dead people in it. And it's like, whoa, this is surreal. Like the people that have gone before us. And you look at some of these gravestones, you're like, wow, do the math. And it's like, oh, this person lived until they were 85. Wow, they lived a great life. Or look at this gravestone. This person, gosh, if you do the math, they, they just lived until they were 15. I wonder what, how they died. Their life was taken so short. And you look at this grave and it's like, wow, this, this person uh, who is now dead was somebody's baby. This person maybe was somebody's dad, somebody's mom, somebody's aunt, somebody's brother or sister or grandparent. And you th- I was just thinking about the comparison between the grave site, a, a cemetery, and a junkyard. A junkyard, these cars, they're just possessions, they're just things. There's, there's really no hope for them. It's a very sad place. And the graveyard, a cemetery, is also sad. And here's some people, a bunch of people who have died, gone before us, who are now dead. But there is hope there because they are going to be raised from the dead. And we believe as Christians that the, the grand central um, thrust of our faith is that uh, we believe in the resurrection, that the people who have gone before us, the people who are dead now, will be raised to life when Christ comes back. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to spend uh, 45 minutes, how much time we have together, talking about the resurrection. It's a, it's a lesson that I've been looking forward to over the course of these two months, because it's, this is our hope, that we will, after we die, we will be raised to eternal life. So that's the message for today. Uh, a sobering message and that we'll be talking about death, but a very hopeful message in that we'll be ta- we will be talking about the life after death. Sound hopeful to you? All right, so let's talk about it. I'm going to p- give me like a second here to talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to pull up my uh, presentation so I could uh, get back on track here. Okay, there we go. Isaiah, here's the, um, I had a picture of uh, the cars, the junkyard. Okay, so if you're new to the Mill Sunday School, I apologize. Uh, I'm usually more on track with my uh, computer shenanigans. Uh, but if you're new, there's a guest card. It looks like this. Uh, you can fill it out. You can bring it to the people as you leave, and we will give you, in exchange for that card, a gift. No strings attached. You could really give us as much or as little information if you want. I already met some of you who are new today, and we'll just put you on an email list if you want. Uh, we'll give you a call if you want, tell you more about the College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life. So that's that. One of the things going on is that not this week, but next Wednesday, we're going on a corn maze. What? Um, uh, it's a non-scary demonic corn maze, uh, at least so I've been told. Um, so we want you to register. If you go online to the Mill Sunday School, uh, New Life Church Mill Sunday School, or if you just go online and look at our events, you will see this picture. You can register. It does cost eight bucks, but um, we'll meet at the parking lot in the World Prayer Center. We'll come in here. 
you have to sign a waiver just because we don't, if, you, if you get hurt, there's just waivers. That's the world we live in. So, um, so register online so we know how many people are coming so that we will feed you snacks. And we will have, it's just for fun. Like there's not really a lot of spiritual stuff going on um, as far as like spiritual development and a corn maze. But we will have fun and fellowship. And that in and of itself is pretty important. Getting to know each other, uh, living life together, having a lot of fun together. So that's the corn maze. Um, raise your hand if you're interested in going. Okay, I see those hands. All right, I see that. Okay, good. So that's the corn maze. And then this is just save the date stuff uh, towards the end of January, last weekend of January. Winter retreat. Um, our theme is going to be uh, identity, who, who we are in Christ. And so uh, that, that will, registration for this isn't even up yet, but save the date. Get the time off from work if you need to, uh, because it'll be Friday after work, all day Saturday, and then uh, morning on Sunday, then we'll come home. So that's that. Uh, let's review just a little bit uh, quickly. We keep putting up this chart that has been helpful to a lot of you um, as to what the Christian afterlife is all about. Um, most people, if you if you're, haven't, been, haven't been a Christian very long, or if you just assume what Christians believe, um, you might just think, oh, well, you die, and then you just go to heaven or hell for all eternity. And as Christians who study the Bible go a little bit further and want to be more specific, well, this could be helpful to you in that when you die, yeah, you could talk about those terms as in heaven or hell um, if you're theological, you could say, oh, the intermediate state, but that's just weird to talk about that. If you're not theologically talking, to say that grandma is in the, oh, don't worry, she's in the intermediate state. It just doesn't sound as nice as saying grandma's in heaven. Um, so you could say heaven or hell, but I use the, the quotations around heaven or hell um, to, de- to depict that that's not the end. Whatever happens after life, it was when you die, it, you could talk about going to heaven or hell. Um, that, that is what it is. It's, it's kind of a waiting for the resurrection. And then at the resurrection, there will be a judgment, and then there'll be the final heaven or hell, the eternal life to come. Um, and so resurrection is really what we're talking about this morning. This red line is, is where the, the, the saints, everyone will be resurrected, they'll be judged, and then there'll be everlasting life or everlasting punishment. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about judgment, and it was a sobering uh, message, and a message that was somehow hopeful that in judgment, all things will be made right. And our God, who will judge us, knows everything. He will not judge poorly. He will not judge wrong. He will judge with mercy, and he will judge and make everything right, which is a great thing, which is a wonderful thing, a hopeful thing to come. So that's the resurrection. So here's a discussion question for you, because I keep hearing about this as I uh, give you discussion questions each week and go out and talk, or I have discussions about what we're talking about after Sunday school or before Sunday school. People will say, well, what about um, the whole time thing? And it's like, well, what do you mean by the time thing? Well, like time travel and like, uh, you know, like after, you know, God is outside of time. So maybe when we die, there's no time. What about that? Um, what about this kind of stuff? So, um, Here's the question for you to, dis- to discuss at your tables. What are the popular thoughts on time and waiting for the resurrection? Because I'm going to propose today, and I have been proposing, that, that we are waiting right now as we are living for the resurrection, and that when we die, um, we will we'll continue to wait for the resurrection. We will continue to wait for this life after the life after death. So what about this time thing? I keep hearing that a lot. So I thought, let's, let's just dive into it and talk about, okay, what about time and the afterlife? Would you discuss this, kind of throw out some ideas at your table? Ready, cassette, discuss. All right, if I could interrupt your 
discussions. Um, so this idea of waiting, does anybody like waiting for anything? Like whenever I picture waiting, <laughs> picture myself at like some dentist office just waiting and there's nothing but like really old magazines from like the 90s or something and they're just old and deteriorated. And I hate waiting and I wonder what this waiting will be like and how time will pass. I found this cool little image online of like this uh, maze of time and we just don't know. I mean, some, this, like after we die, there's some really cool things that Jesus says. For instance, to the thief on the cross, uh, he, as the thief is dying, Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And that's a really, that sounds awesome. Uh, Paul says, to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. So I don't think the waiting for the saints that have gone before us that are now dead, and when we die, I don't think the waiting will be a bad thing. I don't know what it will be like. Um, there's, not, there's just images and metaphors in the Bible. Uh, we'll look at some of those about waiting for the resurrection and this hope to come. And, but it doesn't seem like, uh, it does seem like you're somewhat conscious that you will know where you are. You'll know you'll be with the Lord. You'll be in paradise. But how this time will go isn't quite understood. Will it be, uh, Megan just said she has, she's a nurse, has patients. Like, what about people in a coma? What are they experiencing? They're, you know, time is going on on earth, and they're asleep, and, and some people are in comas for a very long time. Then they wake up, and do, do they know that that time has passed? How does that look? And maybe some people are different. I don't know. And, and there's different conjectures as to what will happen in the afterlife as we're waiting for the resurrection. But we should have hope as believers that it will be a good thing. Trust in Jesus, that it will be like paradise, that Paul said, you be present with the Lord, that will be a good thing. But that's not to say there's not going to be waiting, because there's a lot of waiting language in the Bible. I think about like, um, like then, at the coming of Christ, then there will be a resurrection. Well, then what happens in between then? Or uh, what about the, the language in the Bible that talks about in that day? It's not today that the resurrection is happening, but in that day, when the resurrection comes, then the, the dead will be raised. And so there's this waiting. Of course, we on earth are waiting for this time to come. And for the dead, like, what is this like? I don't know what it will be like. I do know that there's some analogies about the resurrection, that once we are raised, what that will be like. And we'll look at some of those today. But we have to get into... Um, really knowing that about, let's talk about the body. Um, let's talk about Jesus being the first of those that have been raised from the dead. We'll talk about that in a second. But it kind of brings us to our first nerd alert of the day. <laughs> the incarnation. So the incarnation is what? It is God being made flesh on this earth. God becoming a human. If we truly understand that our God, who lives and reigns and created all things, became human, then we begin to realize that, that it's, it's like a trajectory of like, okay, if God really lived as a human and he really died, well, then he really rose again and he is like the first one who has been raised from the dead. So if you're thinking about uh, around Christmas time, has anybody heard Christmas music at some of the stores already? Like, what, what is going on? This is travesty and a mockery. Um, but anyways, to get, to get you riled up, um, Christmas is a good time of year. And maybe it's like, I know it's probably part of materialism and marketing that people are playing Christmas music this early, but maybe just rejoice in knowing that Christmas is all about Jesus come to this earth, that Jesus, uh, God himself, 
in the womb of a virgin was born, and Mary gave birth to God himself on this earth. And then Christ, God himself, lived on this earth. Then, of course, the story is he died. He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He truly died, and he was buried. And then on the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of all the scriptures that that he would be the first one to be raised of the dead. So going back, it's like, okay, if God truly lived as a human on this earth, and if he truly died, like the Apostles' Creed says, he descended into hell. And the, the, the Greek there, the language there is he, he descended to the down place. Because sometimes, and our English word hell comes with a lot of baggage about like the devil and pitchforks and Halloween and all that shenanigans. Um, but the Greek there in the Apostles' Creed is Jesus descended into the down place. He truly died. He was not just resuscitated later at, at, uh, at the resurrection. No, he truly died, and then truly his body was gone, and he was resurrected from the dead with a new body. We'll talk about that in a second and how that, what that means for us and our new bodies. But let's look at a passage of Scripture. If you want, you can turn to 1 Corinthians. We're going to read quite a bit of this passage. It is probably the premier passage on the resurrection. So I'd encourage you to, to go. We're going to look at these couple verses, and then we're going to look at some more verses in chapter 15. And then later, we'll end Sunday school today looking at the, the final passage within 1 Corinthians 15. And so I'm going to read this, and it's a little bit long. It's, it's a little bit more than we usually read, but I know you can handle it um, because you're Sunday school nerds. So 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 12. Paul is going to use a rhetorical argument, a, this Greek rhetoric when he's going to be saying like, well, if Christ isn't raised, then blah, blah, blah. But he is raised. So this is going to be, you know, so he's making this argument. So listen to it carefully. It, it takes a little bit to pay attention here. 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 12, uh, chapter 15, verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, so he is proclaimed as raised from the dead. So he's saying, how can you, some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead. So either believers or somebody saying there's no resurrection of the dead. And we find out in other texts of Scripture that this group, the Sadducees, didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, that, that the dead would be raised. So Paul makes this rhetorical argument. Um, verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. But of course, he has been raised. He's making this argument. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. Did you hear that statement? Paul's saying, if, if Christ has not been raised, then, then his preaching and the, our whole faith is in vain. A, a lot of Christianity, maybe all of Christianity, according to this passage, hinges on Christ actually being raised from the dead. Um, he goes on to say, verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he, is, that he raised Christ from whom, if he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. So this argument, he's kind of continuing. Verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So he makes the same point again. If Christ has not been raised, then you're still in your sins. But if he has been raised, then he's the first to be raised from the dead. Then our sins are forgiven. That Christ did what he said he was. He was who he said he was. That this is the real deal. Verse 18, um, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all people most to be pitied. 
But if, in Christ, but if in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And then verse 21, this is our great hope. So he's making this whole argument saying, if the dead aren't raised, if Christ isn't raised, then our faith is futile, then we're still in our sins, then we are to be pitied over all mankind, that we are just these silly idiots that are believing this fairy tale if Christ is not raised from the dead. But if he is, if he has been raised from the dead, if this is what our hope proclaims, if this is what we believe, if this is what we are willing to give our lives for, if this is what we are willing to die for, then, verse 21, for as by a man came death, that's Adam, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. But each is under uh, but each is his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, all who belong to Christ. So if Christ has been raised from the dead, then he will come back and all the dead will be raised and there'll be judgment and there'll be eternal life for everyone. Which begs the question, uh, I, I mentioned this this morning at our, uh, we, we pray as leaders, and uh, Carly, wherever she is, was like, wait, if, if Christ is the first one, to be raised of the dead. Well, what about the other people? What about the people he raised from the dead? What about Lazarus, the girl? There's some people in the Old Testament. Well, that, I would say that to get technical, let's use the right words. Um, the, the, the resurrection versus resuscitation. Now, some of us are familiar with resuscitation. If you're in the medical field, you know about CPR. You know that uh, sometimes even people have like near-death experiences where maybe their heartbeat stops, their brain waves stop. For a time, and then maybe the, 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 they're shocked back to life, or they're uh, resuscitated back to life. And this is not resurrection. There's, there's a difference, and I'll try to help explain. Resuscitation is coming back to this life after having been dead, like Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. Do you know how many days? Four days. He, Lazarus was dead, and then Christ came and said, Lazarus, come out. And he came out of the grave after having been dead four days. But he was resuscitated back to this life on this earth, not resurrected. There's a difference. When Christ is resurrected, the body is gone. So here's a, a picture of the, a painting of, of the morning. Uh, the, the women find Jesus' tomb empty. Jesus is not there. One of the gospels says that uh, Jesus is hanging around in the garden, and Mary comes to him and assumes he's the gardener because he just he doesn't look like himself. But then Jesus says to her, Mary, and then she says, Rabboni. And then, of course, she realizes that this is God. This is the one who has died and then raised with a new body. We'll talk about that a little bit more, but that, that's a very big difference between being resuscitated. Resuscitation is coming back to life Resurrection, at least as, as we see in Jesus and the great hope that's talked about in the Bible, is that th we're going to get a brand new body, a brand new thing. It's all going to be made new, which brings us to this point in our notes where I, I labeled it with lots of quotation marks. We get a new, quotation marks, body, quotation marks, which, which I'm using to kind of identify that, well, maybe it's not new, uh, but maybe it's kind of new. We'll talk about that. And maybe it's, is it a physical body or is it not a physical body? So I use quotation marks. Uh, I'm kind of a fan of English fails. Anybody like, like go online and look up English fail pictures? Yeah, me too. Uh, so uh, there's, there's, if you look, if you Google, um, not now, because that would distract you, but later, if you Googled, uh, 
like incorrect use of quotation marks, you'll find all these people, uh, like people taking pictures of like signs that say like restroom for customers only. It's like, what? what? Or like employees must wash their hands. And it's like, what? Like, hey, did you wash your hands? Yeah, I washed my hands. Like, what? No, wash your hands. Um, so, what, so I've used the quotation marks here to, maybe to be a little silly, but maybe to be more specific in that it's, we get a new body in the sense that, um, well, some of the things we could learn about Jesus' resurrection. When Jesus was resurrec- resurrected, the people even close to him, like Mary, didn't recognize it was him until she had this realization, oh, that's Christ. The disciples are all out fishing on the, on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus comes to them, and they don't recognize him right away. And Jesus says, oh, cast your net on the other side of the boat. So they cast their net on the other side and then pull up this huge amount of fish, and then Peter recognizes it. He's like, that's the Lord. And he just jumps in the water, swims to Jesus. The rest of the disciples pull all the fish to Jesus, and they realize this is the one. This is God who has come and then died and now is resurrected, and he, he just looks a little different. He's able to just appear to the disciples. They're in a locked room, an upper room, and Jesus apparently just comes in through the, the walls. He just appears to them, but then he's, he's not a ghost. He's able to be touched. Like Thomas says, let me touch your wounds, and so he does. So he's not a ghost. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a new body, um, and the idea of a physical, will it be physical or will it not be physical? Uh, I, I don't know. And so I've used the quotation marks to, to say that we usually talk about getting a new body, but will it actually be like new? Like, will it be the same but different? And will it actually be a physical body? Will it kind of be physical, kind of not? What we do know is that it's not like a ghost. I live in Manitou. Here's uh, the, I was talking about this, this Briarhurst banner being haunted with ghosts, and sometimes people, even Christians, talk about like, oh, the ghosts of those who have gone before. And it's like, well, I don't know about ghosts. That just, it doesn't really seem, you know, there's a couple places in the Bible where it says like, don't talk to ghosts, don't talk to mediums. Uh, so I'm not sure this is kind of above my pay grade as to what ghosts are. Um, but we do know that the resurrection will not be like ghosts floating around. So it's not ghosts, and it's also not Whenever you start talking about the resurrection, people like to joke around about zombies. I don't know what's wrong with everyone. Their fascination with zombies. Uh, but we will, not, we will not be like zombies raised from the dead. Our dead bodies will not. We will get new bodies. And new and bodies are both in quotation marks. And that it will be awesome. It will be glorious. But it will be a body, a new body, an imperishable body. And I'll read a scripture uh, in just a second where Paul explains kind of what this will be like. But it is a body. We are waiting. When we die, we will be in our graves waiting for Christ to return and for the dead to be raised. Um, a couple weeks ago, Daniel Grothy mentioned that uh, most grave sites, uh, Christian grave sites, uh, early Christian grave sites, where people would always be buried laying down facing east. And so you'd face east knowing that like the sun, Christ would come back and the dead will be raised and that you'll see the risen Christ coming back and you would join him. So the tradition is to face east. And we've kind of lost that as Christians and believers uh, throughout the, the, the centuries. And today I think it's, it's maybe even more popular. I don't know the stats, but it may be more popular to uh, have yourself cremated when you die. Um, 
and that, it, you know, Christ will raise every living thing, uh, every living human from the grave, whether you've been cremated or not. But it is interesting that the early church tapped into this hope and this waiting for the resurrection and that they would bury the dead in hopes that they would be raised again and face them east so that they would be the first to, to, to raise from the dead, that they would look upon their Savior coming like the sun from the east and that they would be raised from the dead. Cremation, uh, I, I think maybe some of you know people that were cremated, maybe your grandparents, and that's all great. That's all fine and well. Christ will, God will raise of anyone, no matter how they've died, from the dead. But it teaches something, I think. And so if you're making your funeral plans, which maybe you should, you know, we're all going to die sometime, think about what that teaches. What does cremation teach? You know, if you, if you want your body cremated and spread at your favorite golf course, what does that teach those that will follow you compared to waiting for the resurrection? I don't know, just food for thought. So anyways, Paul gives this analogy. I've probably just stirred up a wasp nest of just ideas in your head thinking about like the, the dead being raised, but hopefully that's a good thing. So Paul gives this analogy of what it will be like. I'm, I'm imagining that all of you are sitting there like, okay, so what will it be like? What will it be like when the dead are raised? Will it be like this or that? Or what, you know, what will it be like? And Paul gives this analogy. He gives this analogy of something like this. He says, it will be like this. Let's read it, shall we? So open up, back, open back up to 1 Corinthians 15. If you've turned away from there, open uh, back up 1 Corinthians 15, this time starting in verse 35. We're going to read quite a few more verses once again. So stick with us and pay attention. This is a premier passage of what it will be like, how the dead will be raised. Verse 35 says, But some will ask, I'm asking, I imagine some of you are asking, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Sounds like a good question, don't you think? Raise your hand if you're like, that's a good question. I would like to know the answer to that. Okay, I would too. I'm raising my hand. Um, Paul says this. Have you ever asked a question in school <laughs> thinking it's a great question and the teacher's like, that's a stupid question? And you're just like, ooh, just kidding. <laughs> I was just kidding when I asked that. Paul kind of does that here. Uh, verse 36 you're asking, you know, verse 35, you know, how are the dead raised? You're asking this question. Verse 36 says, you foolish person. <laughs> Sorry, just kidding, Paul. Um, didn't mean to ask the question. But apparently Paul was tapped into this knowledge of what it will be like, so much so that he could just spout off this analogy. He was so hopeful of what, what it would be like that he says, this is a silly question. This is what it will be like. And so he says this, um, do, do not know that what you, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel or a seed, perhaps wheat or some other grain. So that's why I put up the picture of the, the, the seed being planted and then it coming to life. Um, so it's like the seed that's planted. Like uh, when you die, your body is planted in the ground. Paul gives this metaphor like, well, like a seed that's planted in the ground, a seed, a kernel, perhaps wheat or some other grain. Verse 38, but God gives it a body as he has chosen to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind of flesh for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. You know, he's just thinking about like 
different animals and their skin, what they look like, who the, how they are. And there's one, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heaven is one kind, and the glory of the earth, earthly, is another. Verse 31, there is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So he's basically saying there's different bodies, there's different glories, there's different brightnesses of stars, just like there'll be different brightnesses or different bodies that, that, that now we're living in an earth, and we call it physical, we call it uh, skin, we call it bones, you know, we call it cells and membranes. Whatever this is, there will be another body yet to come. Verse 42 says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown perishable, what is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus is, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, that's Christ, became a living, giving spirit. Verse 46, For but if it is not the spiritual that is the first, but the natural, and the, when, the, when is the spiritual, verse 47, the first man was from the earth, a man of the dust. So Adam is a man of the dust. The second man is from heaven. Verse 48, as was the man of dust, Adam, so also are those who are of the dust. So we're of the dust. We're people of Adam. And as is the man of heaven, so as those who are of heaven. This is confusing stuff. One more verse, a couple, two more verses, then we'll talk about it. Just as we have been born the image of the man of dust, so we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Verse 50, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So what is all this saying? Well, it's, well we are like Adam. We've been made from the dust. But we will be raised from the dead, and we won't be like this anymore. We will be imperishable. Like there's different kinds of fishes and humans and birds have these different kinds of flesh, and like the sun and the stars and the moon have different brightnesses, we will be different. We will be raised from the dead and get a new, using quotation marks, and we will get a new body, using quotation marks again. So here's something to, to discuss. I've just said a lot. We've just read a very, what is usually considered a very confusing passage about the dead being raised, and Paul trying to explain it and calling us fools just for asking, uh, which I thought was a good question. But Paul says, it's simple. It's easy. There's just, it's going to be different. It's going to be imperishable. It's going to be awesome. Um, so discuss this. How is a resurrection hope different than the popular idea that's around today in the United States and kind of pop Christianity, that this idea of just floating off to heaven as a spirit for eternity? I imagine it's quite different. So would you discuss that at your tables for just a minute? Ready, get set, discuss. How many of you somehow, I walked to, just to a couple groups and somehow both groups were talking about astronauts and space and time travel. Anybody else talk about this? Just these two groups? Okay. All right, just, that, was, that was interesting. Um, but there is a difference, I think, a, a, a huge philosophical, theological difference between the floating off and the resurrection to me is that the floating off from this earth is like an escapism. Like, oh, our hope 
is that we can just peace out of this earth. Everything here is horrible. Everybody's idiots. Uh, this, this whole creation is broken. And, and some of that's true. There's a lot of idiots. There's a lot of brokenness. But there's also the image of God inside of us. This is also God's creation. So yes, it is broken, but this is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, as the psalm says. And so the, the philosophical, theological concept of just escaping this earth doesn't do justice, in my opinion, in my theological opinion, of the resurrection of our bodies, that, that we will, that this earth will not that this earth will be maybe resurrected as well, that this earth will be created new and that we will be resurrected onto it with a new body. To me, that's like, that's much more hopeful than just, oh, I get to float off and, and just, just be kind of a spirit floating around. This is like, oh, this is real. This is like Christ was raised from the dead. We will also be raised from the dead. Here's a picture of a cemetery. This happens to be Arlington National Cemetery, and if you've ever been there or look at it, uh, you will know that all of the gravestones face east, as in custom with this Christian tradition of burying the dead, facing east, because Christ says He will come back like, like the sun, like this great lightning bolt across the sky from east to the west. The dead will be raised, and that is our great hope, and we have a lot of hope for the future in that um, as, as we're kind of concluding this message today, our hope is in the future that we will be raised from the dead. But there's also should be a lot of hope now in that in this life, in brokenness, in the death of friends and family, there's to be awaiting and expecting this great hope of resurrection later so that it means something here in the now. That our great hope when, when someone dies, for instance, is not in their resuscitation. Whenever I think about this, I think about um, a friend of mine uh, who passed away a couple years ago in 2006, uh, a friend of mine named Ben Couch. Some of you might have known him. He was a missionary in Nepal. Uh, he, he, like, just did what you're, like Jesus said to do. Jesus said, like, sell everything and follow me. And he did that. He sold everything he had, sold his Jeep, all his climbing stuff, all, his, all the stuff he owned, and he moved to Nepal to be a missionary. And he was there for a little while and was on his way to another city to spend time with a family of of friends that weren't believers, and he was going to share Christ with them and spend the weekend with them. And on the way, I was just traveling a pretty dangerous road in Nepal. Uh, All the roads are dangerous. Uh, This one was specifically mountainous and extra dangerous, and hit a truck head-on, and we think just died instantly. And there was prayer. There was just all this confusion. It was a really, really hard couple weeks. There was a lot going on. And we were praying for, 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 we just heard the news and just prayed, Lord, let this news not be true. Let him just be hurt and he's, he'll be okay. Uh, let it be somebody else, Lord, but, but not our friend, not our brother, not our you know, son. And we prayed that, that the news was not true. It ended up being true. And then there was these prayers like, well, Lord, you've, you've raised people from the dead before would you raise Ben? And so some of these prayers lasted, and there was prayer meetings and just hope and expectation that he would be, uh, using the right words, resuscitated back to this life. But he wasn't. And, and he, he was truly dead, and he died. But looking back at that time, I think there was a lot of hope for his resuscitation when a lot of those prayers asking for God to raise him from the dead and missing a friend 
that those prayers will be answered. Those prayers, the prayers for resurrection, the prayers for his life to be raised, they will be answered in the resurrection. His body will be raised. When we die, we'll, we'll await, we'll be in paradise, we'll be present with the Lord, and we will be waiting for the resurrection, just like Christ was raised from the dead. And if we don't believe this as Christians, if we don't believe that Christ was dead, if we don't believe that the resurrection is coming, then Paul says our faith is futile. Our faith is in vain because we, we are not hoping in what we should be hoping for, that the dead will be raised. So what I want you to do, I'm going to pray over us, and then I'm going to give you a, a passage of Scripture to read uh, at your tables. I want you to read the rest of 1 Corinthians, the, the rest 51 through 58, just a couple verses there. And then just ask each other, well, what does this mean? In light of um, just uh, teaching on the resurrection and waiting for the hope that is to come, what is being talked about here? And I think uh, hopefully it'll make a lot of sense. If you've ever read this passage before, maybe it's a very confusing passage. It's, it's way above my theological pay grade. But at least it'll begin to make a lot of sense to you with this notion, this theological premise that we are waiting for the resurrection. Those living and those that have died are waiting for Christ to come back in this great, wonderful day of resurrection. So read that as a table. I'm going to pray over you, and we'll, we'll dismiss in this order. So, Lord, we come to you. We, we praise your name. We believe, Lord, in resurrection. We believe the power of your Son, Jesus, that he has been raised from the dead, that he is the first one. He's the first fruits of those truly resurrected from the dead, and that our hope is in Him. He said He is the resurrection, the way, the truth, and life, and that we can have life. Although that we die, we will have eternal life in You, Jesus. And so, Lord, we praise You for that. We, we think about that. We hope in that. So we honor You. We praise You. And everybody said, Amen. All right, friends, you're officially dismissed. If you have the time, we're ending a little early. Read this passage and ask each other, well, what does it mean? Go in peace. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. More podcasts and information about the College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash Sunday School.